right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Need Some Introduction. Today, we will be reviewing the fourth episode of Nine Perfect Strangers on FX on Hulu, available only on Hulu, I believe. I don't know how this is going to be available on FX in the future, but don't know how that all works, but it's, I think, exclusively available on Hulu currently. We had pretty good response from the first episode, our first recap episode, so hopefully you hang in there and uh, watch along with us. I have a lot of things to say about this episode. I really liked it, but I also have my concerns, <laughs> and we'll get into all of that in a minute. Um, I also want to announce that just starting this week, once again on FX, if you want to watch along with us, we will be starting to recap uh, only murders in the building, and I teased this in the last episode. I think this will be interesting. Uh, Sona's here with me. Hi. And I think it's going to be interesting because, first of all, it takes place in Manhattan. Love and, it. Uh, where Sona lives. And I'm sure we can, you know, Sona will do a lot of uh, spotting locations, which she likes to do. <laughs> I also like to look to myself in the background when, I, when it's someplace I've been before. <laughs> and the second reason I'm excited about it is that it is a very potentially funny, and I shouldn't say just potentially, the reviews have come in now because the show's about to come out and the reviews have been very, very positive. And uh, it is Steve Martin and Martin Short playing two kind of washed up, has been minor celebrities, basically looking for something to do late in their lifetimes. And uh, what happens is they actually, be, they befriend Selena Gomez of all people who supposedly steals the whole show. That's what the early reviews are saying. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And uh, here's the most interesting part about it. What happens is someone gets murdered in the building or they suspect it's a murder and they start a podcast to investigate this potential murder in their building. During the course of things, they may potentially become the you know next target of this supposed killer. So uh, that's the basic premise. It's a comedy. But the reviews have been saying that it is very funny and very um, scary at times, too. So I think that's a perfect combination for a summer show to watch. I'm excited. The only tricky thing of this, by the way, Sona, is just like this show, they're dropping three episodes on the oh. first day. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I was originally planning that we probably would have an episode where we cover Nine Perfect Strangers and this comedy, right? Which can't be like that dense, I would assume. So we kind of have one episode that kind of covers both things. And that was my original plan. But if we're going to do three episodes and one episode of Nine Perfect Strangers, I don't know how we're going to do all that. We'll have to see how, how dense those first three episodes are. But I think that's going to be tough. But anyway, all that is to say, listeners, that stay tuned. We'll figure it out once we put the episodes together and see how they... I don't want to do a three and a half hour episode. It's basically my... <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to taking notes. I haven't taken notes <laughs> he's down but i'm gonna have to go back to taking notes it's too much especially if we're recapping two shows at once right we're definitely gonna yes. have to do that oh and the last thing is i will definitely and i believe sona will participate in this as well as long as she catches up uh, by then right around the time that this that this show will be wrapping up in a few weeks and then uh only murders in the building will be is a longer series it'll be lasting through october through mid-october i believe and by then succession will be back and i definitely plan to be watching succession week to week and uh, on hbo and I hope everybody's going to is excited for that because I am very, very excited for that return. So that the last season was is great. The first season was great. Second season was even more impressive. And I'm very, very excited for season three. So that's coming too, just a couple months away. And uh, these shows will tide us over until then. So I hope to uh, you guys all stick around for all of that. It'll be a lot of fun. Okay. So for this episode of 
Nine Perfect Strangers. I am going to pull up the title because I forgot to do that earlier. Yeah, I was thinking about how we haven't really discussed titles on this one the way uh, we have previously for the other recaps. Maybe we could do that right now, actually, since I, I have it here in front of me. So the first episode was called Random Acts of Mayhem. I don't know if that thematically tied into the episode as we saw it. I hate it when I feel like I'm not smart enough to understand <laughs> why the title is what it is. <laughs> well, I think this is, I, I if I'm going to interpret this at all, it's like, you know, random acts of kindness, right? So Obviously. random acts of mayhem. I think this is just kind of like, I think it's just a joke, right? It's just like, you know, these people are, you know, doing random uh, harm to each other rather than- I comics, guess, right? you know, like one very um, inside lawyer type joke is that mayhem technically means that somebody loses an appendage and so it's always interesting, like when someone uses mayhem to just mean general chaos, because, you know, so, unless someone actually lost an appendage, it's not mayhem. You but. can't call it mayhem. That, that <laughs> okay. is very interesting, by the way. I, I really like the fact that's a legal term, because that makes me think about it, like probably as you do, but it makes me think about that terminology in a completely different yeah. way. Um, episode two, once again, I don't think you're going to get much out of this. It's called The Critical Path which I, you know, once again, the critical okay. path, you know, usually critical path is the, the path that is required, right? Like, you know, you can kind of uh, diverge slightly, but you have the critical path, which is the path that gets you to your, you know, is required to, you know, to get to your destination. Yes. Uh, so I, you know, I don't think the show has defined that yet. So I, I think that's mm -hmm. just kind of, um, once again, episode three, I don't think this is going to help you because it's called Earth Day and it's not the day that they bury themselves. So I don't know why this, so I don't, can't, can't think of it anything. It is the day though that they have to live off the land. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So I think that was, At they least might they, do something with that one. Yeah. That's, that's actually true. I think they may have called it Earth Day. So that, that is actually true. Okay. So this episode, once again, not that useful. <laughs> <laughs> is called Brave New World. Uh, I mean, it, it only means the fact that, you know, theoretically, like now that the cat is out of the bag, I guess this is um, the Brave New World for the group. But I don't think this is anything thematically uh, important right. here. But like I, I teased earlier, I, I actually really like this episode a lot. I do too. It's very funny that we everything we talked about in the first episode kind of came to fruition here in many different ways. One of them was uh, specifically, you know, first of all, all the things we kind of talked about, like potentially having these kind of therapeutic re retreats. We talked about sweat lodges. We get a sweat lodge here. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. talked about, you know, microdosing with, uh, I, I was mentioning LSD, but they, they're using psilocybin, but, you know, similar mm -hmm. concept, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I even mentioned primal screaming and stuff, and we have a little mm -hmm. bit of primal screaming <laughs> in this episode. But, uh, oh, and another thing. And that, also like the issues of consent, right? It's one thing oh, to try we, and accomplish the ends through some sort of substance, but yep. then you can't do that without asking people first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And that was like the whole, when I was editing the episode last week, that's like the whole last 15 minutes of it is me and you going back and forth about the whole yes. idea of like, okay, I understand this conceptually, <laughs> but you need to have consent. And then of yeah. course, like the first 15 minutes of this episode is the same conversation we had last week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody on the show is like, okay, I'm, a, I'm on board with this, but you know, we need to have consent, right? So they like, got on board fast. So that I was yeah. like what's happening. I'm a, yeah. I'm a little critical of how quickly they came on board. I think that it is trying, it's a little too convenient the way some people react, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but in some cases, and this is something I like about the episode, the like the, the the couple, Napoleon and Heather, for example, they have such a tender moment, and I guess we'll get into it in more detail in just a minute. Yeah. But uh, you know, that I, that's totally believable, right? And I really liked those character moments where you can say like, oh, this person is totally on board with this because it's such a you know revelation for them, as opposed to some people that are just like, eh, I'm sticking it out. Like, what else do I got to do? I'm like, this doesn't seem like quite as strong a rationale to stick around. And 
also very believable believable to me was Jessica's reaction. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, why is everybody else getting drugs and I'm <laughs> not? Which absolutely would have been my reaction as yeah. well. I literally wrote <laughs> this is not equitable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally I literally wrote it down that I just put down FOMO, which is like, you know, obviously just totally in her character, you know, with uh, Instagramming and everything. And yes. uh, but I thought it was also funny that it's almost like in a way it's like, oh, like like the intention is to dose them, but it's like, oh, we yes. don't have to dose them because as soon as they find out everybody else is getting dosed they're going to want to get those too so it's like we don't need, we don't need to trick them we don't need to trick them into it <laughs> they'll request it <laughs> oh and the last thing that kind of ties into our conversation last week is exactly what i was talking about kind of being a and it almost feels you can almost feel it in the production something once again about this being a covid friendly production and i was talking about how well you know if you just have like kind of like scenes where you just have pairs of people confronting each other then, um, you know, it makes production pretty easy because you can keep the, you know, any kind of contamination pretty low. And we have an episode where it's basically like over and over and over again. It's like these two people in the room together, these two people in the room together, <laughs> these two people in the room together. It's like pretty much all we see the whole entire time. It's almost so calculated that it, it, you start feeling it a little bit. You're like, oh, it's weird that there's never more than three people in the room together at any time. <laughs> Which, by the way, White Lotus had also had going just to tie that back. White Lotus also had that. Ex- I had that experience also there, where you know, oftentimes it's just like two or three people in a room together. Ever that's all you get, unless you're outside and then you have, you know, two people close to each other and everybody else is kind of like in the background. Honestly, the more I think about White Lotus, the less I like it. I got to be honest with you, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have that conversation at some point yeah. in the future. But now to get into this episode proper. I thought we picked up with like, well, are you medicating us? Yeah. So we pick up right from the end where, you know, people are saying like, are you on board with this? And actually, I think the first scene might be the first, uh, not the first scene maybe, but the first like uh, interaction, important interaction might be between Heather and Napoleon, right? Mm-hmm. And where he's like mm-hmm. kind of saying, like, where he's to, like, we got to get out of here. Yeah, right? we need to like pack yeah. up and get out of here. Exactly. Because yeah. I think that's still the night of. So unlike and the, and the blender might come, you know, usually comes like at the beginning of the episode. I think that might come a little later because I think we still see the kind of the repercussions of the night of mm-hmm. before we actually get into the next morning. And uh, and I actually thought, what did you think of this scene? I thought this was a really sweet scene between the two of them. I thought so too. I mean, you can see how much they're struggling with in their relationship and that they both want to make it work. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I like these characters. I really liked it just because I thought it was very sweet. Like, you know, it wasn't kind of uh, over the top sex scenes or something. It was just kind of like them reconnecting in, in a very tender way. And I thought that was very sweet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I really liked that scene. And that was the first of many really good scenes. You emerged alone yourself. Saying grace? It was the drugs. Honey. What? There was nothing you could have done. I, I literally just wrote down like, oh, good performance. Oh, good performance. Yeah. <laughs> like over and over and over again. And I'll yeah, get into it in, in specifics. Although I will say also very early in this episode, there was a Masha scene, which I've almost like deleted from my memory altogether. <laughs> she was in a parking garage. Oh, uh, yes. She's on phone. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Nicole Kidman is supposed to be one of the big polls here, but I yeah. could not be less interested. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, I think she, and that's going to be my qualm, I think later on with my concerns is I think that's going to become a bigger part of the story as that we go forward and, uh, and and like you mentioned i i uh, yeah I, I think that you're absolutely right and i think that might be once again even re- revising my original statement that might actually be the first scene of the show 
And once again, I could care less. I couldn't remember if it was the very first or not, but right. She's in a parking garage. She seems to be talking to a boyfriend or some sort of romantic interest. Right. Right. And then someone's approaching behind her. And honestly, I have deleted from my memory what else happens in that scene. I don't think we hear the gunshot, but I do believe that that is a reference to that scene where she, you know. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Oh, we do. No, we do hear the gunshot because then we see that that we see that moment again where she, in, in her flashbacks, she after the shoot uh, being shot, she has visions of herself as a child. So there's like that scene. I think we hear the gunshot go off and then we actually see her like on a swing, right? Or like we see the point of view of somebody on a swing. And I, we had also seen like a, in the original flashback, we saw her like on a bicycle, like a young girl with yes. long hair on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah. So she kind of reconnected with her childhood or something. I mean, I think that's, what, that's what's being represented there. Visually, I, I don't mind the motif. I think it's actually pretty. But like you said, character wise, I, I, I don't care. And I think this whole thing is an invention that's not in the book. So it seems very. Mm-hmm, which is interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So we, uh, we have that really nice scene between them then i think there's breakfast and then they have activities for the day we find out that it is carmel's uh mm-hmm. one-on-one scene with uh, masha and we find out like you mentioned that at breakfast the next day like everybody makes jokes about it they're like oh so are we getting drugged <laughs> and yes. they're like well now you know it and uh, you know melissa mccarthy <laughs> francis is like bottom up you know so uh she also makes a joke good. right that she goes i'm gonna go get my uh, oh this is the night of by the way this is like right at the beginning uh, that, you know, the night of, she says, I'm going to go to my car and get the vodka that I stashed That's away in there. Right. And she's That's like, and right. you're not yeah. allowed to say anything to me anymore. Yes. <laughs> and they all just look at her like, yeah, we can't stop you. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you got a point. <laughs> and Masha does explain that they are being microdosed, right? With uh, psilocybin, mm-hmm. right? So she goes into detail about that. And um, and that's where that leads to the whole like conversations we see amongst the couples of and actually, I guess we see Masha also discussing this with the staff, right? Where the um, staff is saying, um, and I don't remember exactly where this happens, but the behind the scenes stuff is kind of like just there to connect dots. So I don't think it really matters where, where it is in the episode. But yeah, we do see that there is some conflict between the staff and Masha as far as, you know, is there really consent or not? Which is kind of weird because they're like saying that, you know, they shouldn't know. And it's like, well, have you guys done this before? Like at some point they have to know, right? They have to figure yeah. it out, right? So mm-hmm. maybe it's just when they're further along. So they don't. Right. Know. Because remember, there was that thing about we're switching to protocol two and it's too early. And like, so I guess maybe it ties into that. Right. I guess the, the, the idea is, you know, not that we have a clarification on this yet, but I guess the the way they do this is that they're dosing them secretly and then you know slowly they're microdosing them so then over time they start to like loosen up they start to have better experiences and then they tell them hey by the way this is what's been happening and i guess if your results are good you don't really question it as opposed to you know (laughs) get sprung sprung on you day two maybe it's a little little early for all that but um but anyway they go along with it so so we figure out a little bit more from their conversations as to like what their process is and how this is supposed to work out and then I think we have the scene where we have Lars and Zoe in mm-hmm. a sweat lodge together. Of all the scenes in the show, I think this is the worst, my opinion, because I felt like, you know, we get a little bit of Lars back. Oh, we do find out that Lars is a journalist, right? Which I suspected right. for a mm-hmm. while. So mm-hmm. we did find that. Yes. Out. Once, by the way, not a journalist in the book, but a journalist here for some reason. Okay. <laughs> he's a lawyer in the book. He's just like a powerful, oh, okay. he's a powerful, according to Kim, he's a powerful lawyer who is addicted to going to spas. That's his thing. Is so, he gay in the book? I think so. I believe so. Okay. Because one of the things I like about the dynamic that they've set up here, just as a woman who's lived in the world, um, I like it that they 
you know, started out by establishing that he's gay. So you don't have to worry that he's like the older guy checking out the young girl oh, and like point. there's something twisted. Yeah. Um, like it, I think it keeps the relationship much more pure. Um, yeah. If I, you know, if I didn't know that, I'd be like, oh, any minute now he's going to do something inappropriate with this right. 20 year old girl. You know what? I hadn't thought about that, but I actually totally agree. I think that you're right that my experience of their relationship is like a friendship yes. uh, developing. And you're absolutely correct. If I was watching this in any other context and he was, you know, just this older guy who was hanging out with this 20 year old, I, I exactly, I would be thinking the whole time, like he's some kind of like a uh, creep, right? Right. Like he's establishing her trust and he's, yeah. you know, she's going to think he's such a good friend. And then what any, you know, he's going to find his moment to seize and do he's something inappropriate. Yeah. He's grooming her. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of something else we might talk about later today. Uh, but at the same time, I didn't love this scene because I kind of wanted to see this conversation, right? That we talked about, like, once again, just last week, how tough this must be as a twin. Like, wow, like this mm -hmm, is like really, mm -hmm. and I feel like they kind of didn't nail it here. You know, this, yeah. you know, it, and there, I specifically call it out because I felt almost every other scene, this episode really hit me emotionally. And this one felt very perfunctory. It's like, you know, yeah. such a big topic and to kind of just brush it off. And then when she's just like, oh, and what's your story? And he's just like, oh, I'm gay and I'm Catholic. So I'm guilty. You know, I feel guilt about that. So I'm like, okay, yeah. well, that was kind of perfunctory too, right? So, and yeah, it was- Yeah, I get what you're saying there. I do like this relationship between them, but I understand your point about this yeah. particular scene. Only because I feel the bar is very high uh, because yeah. we follow this scene up with the one-on-one -on -one between Masha uh, and Regina yeah. Hall. And I literally wrote down, Regina Hall is killing it. Yes. <laughs> this scene was incredible. Like, wow. And not only was she so good in it, one of the things I really like about Nicole Kidman or used to like her, about her as a performer is I think that she is so uh, empathetic, you know? So you can just mm -hmm. like look at her face and she mm -hmm. doesn't even need to speak. And uh, she's, so that's the kind of acting I really like. And to that point, not really into this performance by her, not really into her character. Yeah. But she is great in this scene with Regina Hall because Regina Hall is giving her so much and all she has to do is react. And the two of them mm -hmm. are great together. Mm -hmm. And that's like what, what, what two performers can really you know, mm -hmm. do to help each other out. And uh, yeah, anyway, this is a great, great scene. Yeah, you can really um, see how much pain Carmel yeah. is in. Like she has, ded she dedicated what some would say, I, I'm not necessarily going to agree, the best years of her life mm -hmm. to, you know, this relationship and raising her kids and where has it all gotten her, right? The husband is with some younger woman and the kids adore her and she's forgotten in a way. Um, and, and that is painful. And it, that's, that's a very real thing that happens to so many women. Yeah. First of all, I feel like it's something that's completely relatable to, to, I believe to a lot of women. And second of all, I also thought it was really her performance is so heartbreaking because she's not even saying, you know, we've seen her like kind of fly off the handle. So you could picture her being like some of the kind of crazy woman scorned. You could easily paint her that way mm -hmm, if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. And instead, she's like saying the new woman that he's with is young and and pretty. And that's why, you know, mm -hmm. she has this, this insecurity about herself. But at the same time, she goes, she's wonderful. And the kids love yeah. her, right? My husband, he left me. Left me for a younger, prettier thing. My kids love her. We call her by her first name, Lillian. And she's a sweet woman with a sweet name. They're in Italy right now, vacationing together. Can I show you something? Yes. You see that? Oh, 
into the little scar. He bit me. But it was an act of passion. Back when he just he couldn't get enough of me. And I found the little scar almost every night. So she feels like, like you said, forgotten, like she dedicated her yep. life to raising this family mm -hmm. and the family just walked away from her. And it's not yep. even they walked away from her because they're evil people. They just rather be somewhere else. And that leaves mm -hmm. her completely like unmoored. Right. And it's, it's mm -hmm. really, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very relatable and she sells it like, holy cow. She sells it. It's incredible. Yeah. And, uh, and then we have another knockout scene. I got to tell you when we then go, this could be a terrible garbage scene. I got to tell you that when we see them with the, the katana, right? The, the, the wooden, the fake uh, sword and the yes. samurai suit. Yes. And they're back inside that circular room and they're uh -huh. basically going for their primal scream or what, I don't even know what this technique is. This is not primal scream. This is a, I forget what this is. Well, you know, it's where you like beat up a pillow or you attack some kind of, um, I forget yeah. what it's called. But I mean, we've seen so many different versions of this in different yeah. types of television and movies throughout the years, right? Sometimes in a comedy context, sometimes mm -hmm. in a drama context. But it's something that it regularly comes up, which like strangely in all my years on this world, I've never found myself in a circumstance <laughs> exactly. where I've had the opportunity to do this. Maybe I would love it, but right. um, it comes up a lot in media. Yeah. So basically what we're describing is uh, for anybody who's not watching this, but I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you haven't watched the show, but it's the, <laughs> it's the scene where they basically have a straw man, which is actually like the samurai suit for some reason. I don't know why, just aesthetics, I guess. It's like an empty uh, suit. And then you have a, like, uh, they're holding like uh, a katana, like, like a samurai sword, but made out of wood that you would use when you were sparring. And basically you need to attack this suit, right? You just get to like envision whatever you want in there. And the first person who goes up is Francis. And uh, Melissa McCarthy, once again, uh, such admire her when she's not playing her generic, screaming, angry, white lady uh, shtick. And uh, she basically gets to show you all the pain underneath that. And she envisions this guy who mm -hmm. uh, romance scammed her, uh, Ben Falcone's the actor, her real yeah. life husband. She literally sees his face under the Inside, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, she starts to, uh, um, you know, first strike it lightly. And then, you know, eventually she starts striking it more forcefully. But the whole time she's talking to it and she's like saying, I mm -hmm. thought, you know, I was researching schools. I thought mm -hmm. I was going to have um, a, a family. I, I loved you. How could you do this to me? And it's like, wow, it is so heartbreaking. Like I got like, mm -hmm. like choked up watching her. It was really, and I, it's not something I do normally, by the way. And it's like, I really felt for her. She was terrific in this scene. Like, you know, I went and checked out schools for Ari. Do you know that? I went to PTA meetings and I, I sat with all those parents and I, Talked about my family. And when it all set up, when you arrived, but you never arrived, and you're never gonna arrive. You you said we'd raise Ari together, and you kept saying to me over and over, I was gonna, I was gonna, gonna be a mom. And you took that from me, and I can't get it back. My money, my confidence. Yeah, it was like a very uninhibited performance um, yep. for yep. A, for the actress and the character, right? Yep. Um, yep. Which maybe the drugs play a role in that, but oh, yeah. to, to be oh, so vulnerable and or the alcohol in that way, yeah, <laughs> or the, the hangover, um, right? But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to say all of those things out loud yourself—that's 
that's some vulnerability really so and, and you can really see where casting is so smart in, in some cases and not maybe not great for Nicole Kidman but great here in the fact like I mentioned before Melissa McCarthy has kind of a persona that we expect to see and it's a similar persona that we see in the character and then like you said her being like that emotionally uh, open as an actress but then of course the character itself right because those two things are meshing together and it works really well like I mean yeah she does mm -hmm. a great great job and then we see Carmel gets her turn and she goes bonkers <laughs> and they really egg her on. They're like reading scripts saying like, you know, you're too fat. Um, yeah. And Nicole Kidman opens up that little notebook. And exactly. And starts, starts reading, reading back. all the most hurtful statements in yeah. the world. But then Delilah, yeah. Delilah as well, right? They both start doing it, right? Although uh, Nicole Kidman is definitely worse about, you know, more hurtful about it. And then I, I'm watching this scene like, man, and I really didn't like the rest of that scene. So I'm like, man, they go for such a really, really strong scene with uh, Melissa McCarthy and they completely turned me off with uh, the Carmel scene. And I thought it was so off-putting, but then again, it turns off all the characters. <laughs> so maybe that's correct. So maybe I was getting the appropriate response from it rather than the wrong response from it. Because at uh, that point, yeah, everyone I mean starts to say, this place is, you know, effed up. <laughs> we got to get out of here, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly seemed like a cruel thing to do, right? Yes. Where um, Melissa McCarthy is opening herself and making herself vulnerable that way. They're egging her on here by, yeah. I mean, come on, like she's a better mother than you, I think was one yeah. of the statements. I mean, oh, that would cut your heart open, right? right like, right. oh yeah, they're absolutely monsters to her. But uh, yeah, uh, and, uh, and like I said, the, uh, and it turned me off while I was watching it. Um, you know, it not only turned me off because of what they were doing, but turned me off because of how like ham fisted the show was being. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. like I said, the, the cast, you know, the, the other people, right. people start to say like, we really got to get out of here. Like Napoleon's like, we need to get out of here. <laughs> Tony's like, we need to get out of here. These people are all crazy. Right. And yeah. I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe, like I said, maybe my reaction to being really turned off was the correct reaction because the characters themselves seem to be wanting to get, to get out of there too. So. Oh yeah. So I remember that other scene wrong where Napoleon's saying we got to get out of here. I was thinking it was after dinner, but maybe it was after this, right. Where they're talking about Zoe's birthday is tomorrow. Do we really want to be here for that? Right. Right. And then she comes prancing through going, yep, we're staying here. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I Napoleon has the uh, a different spot. Okay. Yeah, Got Napoleon, it. Napoleon's initially at the very beginning of the episode, Napoleon's like, are you okay with this? Is like kind of his initial gotcha. reaction. Okay. But, and then she's like, you know, and then they have sex, of course. And then he's like, well, maybe yes. I'll stick around. <laughs> and by course. the way, he yeah. even says something very complimentary in the morning, right? Of course, obviously he's like this the morning after. So he's probably in his like afterglow still, but he, uh, you know, uh, is saying like, I don't know what's going on here, but it's working. <laughs> so right. I'm on board. Right? It was kind of like his pep talk at, during breakfast. Yes. Right. But now, like you mentioned, him and Tony are probably the most vocal about being like, this place is really effed up. We got to get out of here. Yeah. So, um, and then we get one more really great scene, but uh, yeah, Bobby Cannavale as Tony is saying that they're messing with us. I got to get out of here. Why did she say, you know, you guys all have violence inside of you. You can kill somebody. Could you kill somebody? And she goes, and he basically right. he tells his backstory about how he got into a bar fight and uh, that, you know, someone recognized him. And, uh, and this is actually, unfortunately, very common, like that, just like uh, Bobby Cannavale mentions here, or Tony, the character, that, you know, you see an athlete out in mm -hmm. public and you like, you want to make your bones by bragging being proving yourself, you know, yeah. bragging rights that you got mm -hmm. into a fight with the guy. And then of course they react like, you know, mm -hmm. a normal person probably would. And, uh, and apparently that's the reason he's here in the first place, right? Because this is kind of part of his treatment, I guess, for his anger management or whatever that he was supposed to go to a place. But not only did he get into a fight with this guy, which happens all the time, he hit the guy, the guy hit the ground, right. uh, bang, banged his head and died. He, you know, got right. uh, you know skull fracture or something and then eventually died. And uh, so he was not, you know, uh, he didn't have to face any kind of charges for murder or 
Yeah, he says that because there were so many witnesses to the fight, they saw right. that he didn't start it. And so he was just defending himself um, and that the journalists just kind of like buried the story. So it never really took on that PR kind of life of its own that can happen sometimes. So there was a lot that was explained there that I think like, you know, answered a lot of questions that yeah. would come up normally when you hear a story like that. As convoluted as all that is, uh, Bobby Cannavale's performance, though, is just incredible. He is broken yep. by all this. Mm -hmm. He just can't get over the fact that he killed, you know, took someone's life. He had a mother, Francis, he had a father, you know, a wife, he had a little sister. No made him dead. Is that why you're here? I don't know why the fuck I'm here, Francis. I'm a, I'm a drug addict. I got two kids that don't talk to me. I got a career that ended in a blink. Why am I here? I got nowhere else to go. And then he just still can't forgive himself. Mm -hmm. And it is probably part of his addiction problem as well. I agree and another just, you know, like I said, he just sells it because it's a great performance. Yeah, I agree. Really. So, yeah, so three watch. amazing scenes in this episode, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, Pretty well written, but I really feel like it's the performers more than anything else that are pulling this off. Yeah, and the only other scene before we get to the end that I forgot to mention, which is kind of a funny scene, but it also has its sad elements to it too, is when when we see Jessica run into Yao. Yao, yeah. He's saying that he's trying to listen to the trees or something, but it seemed like he was doing something specific. But anyway, he's out there and uh, he runs into Jessica and Jessica basically asks, hey, can we get those two? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, like I said, this scene doesn't really stand up compared to some of the other ones, but you know, we, it does look like there will be some kind of um, dosing, although they're getting MDMA instead of right. um, getting uh, psilocybin. And uh, I don't know if their dose started, I think at dinner time is when they, they it started. So it might've even started at the end of this episode, but uh, a couple yeah, things I'm about really that. I'm really fond of the Jessica character, but like not a big Jessica episode here. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't that much that she did. Yeah. I mean, we did, see, we did see her in bed with her husband kind of, and she's talking about how she wants to get dosed. And he's talking about yeah. like why, and she's like, well, you know, it could be good for people and that's it. I mean, there's not, it's like you said, not a big yeah episode for her you know she talks to, to Yao but Yao is also kind of like you know meditating in the woods or whatever he's doing but he also is kind of in a pensive place uh because he seems to be obviously straining under this relationship problem he's having right mm -hmm. and uh and we actually see explicitly any questions that they're having a sexual relationship is explicit in this sure is in this, <laughs> in this episode we see what's happening for sure and then, um, yeah, and then get into it a little bit more. And then, of course, there is a lot of tension. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, on the one hand, if you know what you're signing up for and your eyes are open, I guess you should not be feeling resentful and whatever when your husband goes to see his other girlfriend. But um, as a person who probably could not be in a relationship like that, I get where Delilah was coming from. And I too would make him sleep on the couch. Yeah, the whole thing is a little strange. I'm not sure I still understand all of that. Delilah is saying to him, where did you go? And he's like, I went for a walk. I need to clear my head, which is a lie. Yeah, which, okay, also, if you're going to be in yes. this kind of relationship, you exactly. shouldn't be lying, right? So, and that, she knows he's lying. So there's yeah. a reason to be angry right there. That's why I was going to say that I didn't understand the dynamic for that very reason, right? It's like, you know, if you're in this relationship and that's the way it is, even if she's not 
ecstatic about it. Like, why lie about it? Like, you know, yes, like, what's the point? Adding like, fuel to the fire. Exactly. Yeah. Like she's going to prefer that you lie to her about it. Like, right. I, I don't, that doesn't seem to be like a, uh, a good plan on his part. Agree. <clears throat> and he's kind of dealing with that when I think, you know, well, you can read on his face that he's probably dealing with some of this when, when uh, Jessica runs into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause she even says it, right? Like all relationships are complicated and he's kind of like, you have no idea. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> try, try two people at the same time. <laughs> Who work together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And one's my boss. Yeah. <laughs> right. And bipolar. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them, at least one is bipolar. Yes. Um, the other one is bipolar. One's my boss and the other is bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I guess that kind of takes us to the, I mean, do we see anything else when people start getting really upset about the, the activities in the round room, whatever we'll call that room? Uh, the, uh, it doesn't seem like anyone's really that overtly, like we're going to quit right now, even though they all have that conversation, they all seem to be kind of back at it again at dinner time. They get their shakes. Jessica yeah. asks about whether she's getting dosed or not. They get their next dose. They all seem to be pretty mellow. They're kind of like all in on this, uh, you know, uh, I mean, even I mean, kind of Ali's pain seems to be better, right? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a suspension of disbelief thing that we have to do as viewers, or maybe it's that, you know, they've been under the influence of something since almost day one. So mm-hmm. maybe all their judgments are a little loosey-goosey at this point. I don't know. And then that leads to another big development at that last scene beyond everybody mm-hmm. just kind of chilling out together is that now Delilah confronts um, Masha yes. and, Ma- and they have a terrible relationship, by the way. I don't know why they, how they could work together because um, Masha is, you know, being very imposing her will on Delilah telling her she has to take her medication, like it's a very intimate thing to tell somebody they have to be medicated to continue well, to work. It's your... a condition of her employment. That's what right? I mean. Right. To make that a condition of employment yeah. is pretty crazy. Yeah. And uh, and then telling her also like, you know, don't make him sleep outside of the house, you know, yeah. outside the bedroom anymore and all this stuff, which is like crazy, right? This is my concern now. I feel like this is going to be a lot more about Masha and that Masha is, you know, really going to reveal herself to be like kind of a total egomaniac right so she Mm -hmm. is trying to tell people you know obviously she's already telling people what they can eat she's trying to program their emotions she's trying to tell someone how they should be in an yeah basically like a cult leader right yeah basically telling them like you know this is how this is when you can eat this is how you can eat these are the meds you take you have to be medicated to and and this is how you should be in your you know sexual relationships and everything it's like it's this Mm -hmm. is crazy right it's just a Uh crazy amount of control and i feel like she has been I've been kind of forgiving up until this point because I kind of feel like you're signing up to go to one of these retreats. So right. There's a certain level of control you giving up, but that's what you're paying this, for. Yeah, exactly. This is like completely outside any bounds, basically, where I'm like, what is she talking about? Like, who would tolerate any of this? Right. And Delilah's raising concerns, right, about the dosage and whether it's safe or not and right. stuff like that. And also, like, she was trying to do it behind Delilah's back, right? She told... Right. Glory to increase, increase the, the dosage without the dosage. In, including Delilah in that conversation. So there's right. a lot of um, obviously control dynamics between the two of them. Yeah. And it's crazy because, uh, you know, that's another point you bring up there, which I forgot about till this very moment, which is not only are they complaining about everything that's happened up until now, she's now saying to up the dose, right? So, the, you know, right. um, Delilah is basically saying we shouldn't have transitioned to the, to the second phase period. And, uh, and now it's like, okay, well, they, they tolerated it for day one. <laughs> Let's up yeah, the dosage. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, well, chill out here. At least tap the brakes yeah. for, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is all uh, a little nuts. And she seems to be more and more demented as we go forward in this show. And I do, like I said, I do worry that the show is about to kind of get a little 
over the top, but we will see because overall I like this episode. Oh, and then of course the very last thing is she goes back right. to mm-hmm. her uh, room. And of course the stalker is now closer and closer and closer. And I have to assume the stalker is somehow somebody on the show. It would be make no sense to just have some random person show up at some point. So True. whoever's been messing with her has got to be some of the buddy within the cast that we've seen. And what is it, what does it say on the wall? When she comes oh home. gosh, I was hoping you would have kept tracks. It's good to die, something like this. It's good to die. That's it. So then Masha returns to her room and written on the wall is it's good to die. So whoever's been dun, stalking dun, her. Dun. Yeah. Whoever's been doing the stalking is closer than ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I have no idea who it is and I really don't care. <laughs> it's not what's interesting <laughs> me in the show. <laughs> It's not what's this is probably not the response they wanted from people, <laughs> both of us kind of sitting here like, I don't know, somebody's trying to kill her, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like whatever happens to her at the end of the show, I really don't care. It's, it's, it's so not, secondary. Yeah. yeah. It's not really the reason I'm watching this. Tell show. me more about Francis, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, so my big concern is it's going to be more about Masha now. I don't know how interesting that story is going to be. Although who knows, maybe the character can become can become more interesting. Um, uh, and like I said, uh, you know, obviously this is Nicole Kidman producing this show herself, so she must want to play this character for some reason. So maybe there is more there, and we have a whole half of the show to go. And that's my second concern: is the kind of scenes I saw here, which I loved, some of these really big emotional scenes in these characters, were the kind of breakthrough scenes I really wanted to see in the show. And they're coming here in the middle of the episode. I I mean, the middle of the season, I really worry that the next mm-hmm. four episodes are going to be a lot of like, who's the stalker and, yeah. you know, and, uh-huh. and, and like, whatever, like kind of crazy, uh, you know, and they're trying to whatever, like escape the ranch or something. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. like, man, like if that's going to be four scenes of that, I'd be four episodes of that. I'm not sure I'll make it through the end of the show, you know, but but we'll have to wait. I, don't know. I feel like it's on a good course and I'd be surprised if it departed so drastically, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm just not sure what, what's going to happen next, let's say. Uh, but not in a great way. Not like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. I'm kind of like, hmm, I don't know where you go from here. I mean, there's still some characters that we have left to learn more about. Yeah. So there is that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, you know, Jessica and uh, uh, Ben, who we know very little about and, and Lars, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we'll, I'm sure we're going to know more about Lars' backstory because they, you know, intentionally introduced that um, right. ex-boyfriend or current boyfriend, whatever that was, uh, you know, so obviously they introduced him for some reason. So I'm sure we're going to get into that backstory as well. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm just looking forward to learning more about those characters that we just talked about. Um, you know, I, I, as we keep saying, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse at this point. I'm more curious to know about Lars's life than I am about Masha's. So, <laughs> right. so you know, I, I am hoping that that stays at this level or maybe one step up from it, this whole Masha storyline. Um, I hope we, we don't get too intensely into that because I would rather spend the time on the guests at this, at Tranquilum. Tranquilum. Um, tranquilum, so- Tranquilum. I think it's, I said it was Tranquilium last week, but I think it's Tranquilum. I would rather learn more about these guests is the point than, it than is about tranquil. Masha. It is. Although I do like Delilah and Yao quite a bit though, I will say. Yeah, I do too. Actually, I like them both. Yeah. And uh, and they also seem like to be more concerned about the well-being of the people than Masha is. You and know, it is Tranquilum, by the way. So you corrected me last week. There you go. Week, yes. And um, I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> 
Is that right? Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you were right. I was wrong. There you go. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I'm, we have uh, this relatively short episode, I think. So I can go off on my anti-Netflix tirade. <laughs> sure. Go for it. Uh, before we started recording today, I actually was going off on uh, literally considering like quitting Netflix <laughs> because I feel like Netflix has become a uh, like the the streaming service version of uh, Twitter, where uh, you know they kind of going for some kind of shock value to get a buzz going, so people click through. And uh, appropriately enough, they have a series on right now. It's a mini series, only a few episodes. I mean eight episodes, I guess, but eight relatively short episodes. And it's called Clickbait, which is basically what the show is. Uh, there are a lot of hot button issues raised in this show. The premise, by the way, Sona, for you to, uh, mm -hmm. is a yeah, pretty interesting I, one. I hadn't really heard of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The premise is pretty interesting uh, in the fact that it is, you know, someone seems to have like kind of an ideal, you know, upper middle class life. You know, it, the opening scene of the show is basically this family having a, a birthday party. And uh, there's a fight between a brother and a sister. And the next day that there is a video on the internet and the video is of this guy who has like this kind of ideal uh, middle-class life. And he is uh, on some like, uh, kind of like, not like YouTube, but kind of like a, like a, almost like a 4chan or something, kind of like a, a darker corner of the internet that's like hosted overseas. And there's a video on there that basically uh, he is holding up a sign that says, I hurt women. And then it says, at 5 million views, I die. And, oh my God. Uh, yeah. And it has like 3,000 views at the time. And then, of course, you see how the, it starts spitting out. People you know, start investigating. People start talking about it on the internet. Uh, the news starts covering it. And then, of course, the numbers start ticking up higher and higher and higher. And uh, this is not a spoiler that the numbers get very close to 5 million by the end of episode one. <laughs> so, so that's not like, it's not like the whole movie is a edge of your seat or series, I should say, okay. edge of your seat. Like, mm -hmm. how do we prevent this thing from getting to 5 million? They get, <laughs> they basically get to okay. 5 million, like within a minute of the end of the episode. So, mm -hmm. so the show could be uh, very interesting, right? It talks about a lot of hot button issues and uh, they do occasionally have an interesting idea where they talk about, for example, someone wants to get someone's access to like their dating profile. And they just basically say that they are like Cambridge Analytica, just say like they are they're developing an app and they buy all this, um, all these profiles from, you know, a, one of these um, services that basically just harvest and sell all this stuff, right? Like Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Google, everybody sells your data mm -hmm. to other people, to third parties. And then if you go in as a researcher, they basically give you all this stuff uh, without anonymizing it, right? This is what Cambridge uh, Analytica did, right? So okay. it's it, anyway, the point is they bring this up. It's a fascinating topic and they do this in every episode. They bring up something kind of like interesting that's current event in the news, something that's interesting to explore. And they bring it up and they're like, yeah, you can do this. Did you know that? And th th everyone else in the show is like, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, next topic. Right? It's mm. like they mm. raise all these things constantly. They don't explore them in any way. And uh, it is a pet peeve of mine that the show basically requires that people behave in a way that is like only the way people behave in TV shows, right? Like there are mm -hmm. these very, very powerful moments of people dealing with someone's death and uh, it is very emotional. The actors do a great job of, you know, in these individual scenes. And the next episode, everybody's just like, uh, hey, mom, I'm going to go grab some groceries. And they're making jokes in the car and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this must be like a month later because they've kind of gotten over this. 
And then like by the end of the show, you realize that the entire show takes place in 11 days. I'm like, boy, they really moved on mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty quickly. You know, mm-hmm. that, 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 those two scenes must have been like in the context of the show, like 16 hours apart. <laughs> and they <laughs> seem to have recovered pretty well from everything that's happening. So anyway, it's just ridiculous. And like I said, it, it seems like I feel like they're just, yeah, it, it's just a waste of time. <laughs> It's just a waste of time. And it really, it really irritated me. (laughs) The other thing I was curious to see if you wanted to talk about was, uh, so at the end of last week, by the way, there was a cliffhanger where Sona was finishing watching something. (laughs) And even though I didn't include it in the episode, I basically said, oh, I want to know what it was because maybe it was something I would want to watch. And she told me what it was. And I guess you can get into it now if you want to discuss it. But uh, I tried to watch this show. And uh, I'll give you my impressions of it. Um, and they're not all negative, by the way. But, uh, but if you want to get into it a little bit. So the show is Cruel Summer. It has 10 episodes. <laughs> FYI. Um, it's on Hulu, right? Um, I think that's where I watched it. Uh, originally on Freeform, I guess, which is a very young adult type of network. Yeah. And this show has a very young adult type of feel. Uh, the interesting plot device or setup for the show is that it takes place in three consecutive years 1993 94 and 95 and the idea is it's showing you what's happening on the same day or right around that same time frame in each of those years and it jumps back and forth between those so you'll see, you know, a certain part of a day in 1993, and then a certain part of that day in 1994, and then a certain part of that day in 1995. You can see how everyone's relationships develop over the three years. And there's a central mystery, which is about this uh, very popular girl who has gone missing. And at the end of the first, I think it's at the end of the first episode, they they find her. And so the story of what happened to her, you know, during that time. So she, she goes missing in 1993. She's found in 1994. And then in 1995, they're dealing with all of the fallout from everything that happened to her. Um, so I actually really enjoyed this. Um, I do think it does have a very, very young adult feel to it. And there were definitely things that I think had this been geared more towards adults, uh, would have been explored in more depth and been darker, although this was a little bit dark, but um, I think it would have been far darker had it been designed for an adult demographic. But I think there was a lot to like about this show. I think the the idea of having those different time frames over the years is very interesting. It did, full disclosure, make it very hard to keep track of at yes. some time. Um, at first, it, they were very clear about when they were jumping mm-hmm. years, um, yeah. but I guess they expected you to pick up on all the cues pretty soon into this series. And there were definitely times where I would think, oh, this is 95. No, this is 94. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that did get a little confusing at times, but I like the idea. Um, I like that time period. You know, it's a time period that Vic, you and I were like just entering adulthood, right? And yeah. it's, it's a fun time to remember in a nostalgia type of way for me, the fashion, the music, you know, all of that uh, is fun. And I think um, also just practically speaking, I think there are a lot of advantages to, for mystery, suspense, plots, to setting things back then before smartphones, before the, <laughs> before the yeah. internet was like so easily accessible, all of those things. Although that does end up playing a role here. 
right? There are so many things yeah. where you think, well, if you had a phone, you would just pick it up and Google that or whatever, you know? So um, you would just call for help. Um, I thought the acting was on the whole fairly good. Um, I thought they did some interesting things with the character development of these kids. Um, there were definitely certain characters that I expected to be drawn a certain way and they surprised me with what they did with them. So yeah, I thought there was a lot to like here, um, even though the the very, very YA spin on it was not uh, the best for me, but I can't blame the show for that because that's what it presents itself to be. It's, you know, I'm just a grown person watching it. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Vic? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so originally uh, when Sona brought this up last week, the reason I tried to watch it was because in another podcast I was listening to, someone had made a similar recommendation and, uh, and I really liked the premise. So for a very long time, and I mentioned this to, to Sona, and I had also mentioned this to my wife because I thought it was a show we could watch together, we might be into. And I'd forgotten about it until Sona brought it up again. So I was like, oh, here's an opportunity for us to try to watch it. I'm not gonna disparage the show, to be honest with you, because a lot of this was based on expectations. So the reason I was so interested in this show is that I have for the longest time been fascinated with this kind of idea of a story structure where you can kind of see the same characters in different contexts, in different times, and just kind of like have completely different relationships to them, just because they're, you know, the circumstances are different or the knowledge you have of them has changed. Mm -hmm. So I thought this is utterly fascinating framing device. And that's why I was saying that, you know, this is really about expectations. I had in my mind, given the fact that I've wanted to explore this topic for so long, a very kind of high bar for what okay. this show could have been. And mm -hmm. this is where I'm telling you that, you know, I'm not the audience for this. First of all, my expectations. And second of all, once again, that tone of the show, that very YA tone of the show. It is very, very YA. Yeah. I literally, you don't understand. I literally watched the first scene of this show and I was like, I think I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one scene in and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also very female YA too, right? So on yeah. top of the young mm -hmm. adult tone, it's also very female skewed. So that I was, like I said, almost out on the first scene and the actress who I think does sometimes do a good job was so, and this is not her fault, this is probably the way that the, it's written in her, she's directed, was so hard pushing this innocent, naive, nerdy persona mm -hmm. in that first mm -hmm. scene, especially early on. It was so grating to me that, like yeah. I said, I almost turned the show off <laughs> immediately. Yeah. And then you shift to the time and you see her and, you know, I think giving a much more less mannered performance as you see her get darker mm -hmm. and, and the show goes forward. And then you saw that jumping in time uh, pretty quickly. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll wait this out. And then like you mentioned, it's at the end of the first episode where we turn out that, you know, we, we reveal pretty early on that the missing girl is not dead, that she's still around. And that's revealed in the first episode. So I don't consider that a spoiler if it's in the first episode. Um, anyway, so that's uh, kind of what, where it lands. So that was enough of a hook to keep me engaged for episode two. What started happening uh, in episode two and where I kind of bailed on the show and I did then jump to the finale just to see how things wrapped up. But uh, why I bailed after episode two was there was a couple of things that were happening then, and you touched on a, a few of them. One was the tone was so much in that uh, YA space. Not, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not yeah. for me. Uh, yeah. The second thing was, once again, my expectations. I had set this bar pretty high to see like almost like to kind of be food for thought for me for like, oh, how could I finish this mm -hmm. story that I've been working on for years? Uh, by using this as an example. And I was not getting any of that out of that because mm -hmm. watching watching the show for me was like kind of watching, kind of watching a soapy teen 
show with mm -hmm. flashbacks, with flashbacks, but the, they structured that differently. So it didn't feel like flashbacks, but basically yeah. they're not really doing anything differently. The structure of the show wasn't giving me anything more than I probably would have gotten out of like a traditional flash forward, flashback, flash forward, flashback type structure. And the third part of it was like, you mentioned this also, I just started to get confused with like, yeah. In my mind, yeah. I'm literally saying this is 93, this is 94, this is 95. Yes. And then sometimes it stops and it goes from 93 to 95, from 94 yes. to 95. Yes. So I'm like, I couldn't keep track anymore in my mind. Yes. And it was too much work for me to keep it in my head. And to be honest with you, I was not engaged with like, I- You do have to be a little invested to care about figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. I had uh -huh. no, I had no <laughs> yeah. emotional connection to any of the characters. Yeah. So it was literally like I was just spending all my time trying to keep the facts in order. And I'm like, I don't know. If, I don't know if I wanted to make the effort. <laughs> I, I can so. understand that. They did try and um, make some good hairstyle choices with yes. with the one character. So but then that I got that confused. I didn't even know it was the same character because I was so disinvested that I'm like, is that her? <laughs> Who is that? I don't even know who that person is. Yeah, so that would immediately clue you in. But of course, she had to be in the scene. Yeah, if she's not in the scene, I don't know where, what time frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, so I bailed on it. Um, and uh, oh, and the last part of it was that it does, you know, deal with some issues, but I don't think very deeply. And I didn't watch the whole show, so I'm sure they fleshed them out more. But uh, also that was the last thing is I did jump to the end to kind of see like what the resolution was. And I kind of guessed from episode two, kind of the direction the show was going in. And like I mentioned to you when I was texting you about it, I pretty much guessed all the twists that were to come, except for like a big twist, which was, you know, in my mind and, you know, minor spoilers here for people who've watched this, I'm not going to give away too much, but I just saw enough. So Sona knows what I'm talking about, but uh, that basically the person who did witness something turned out to be a different person. I thought that was just a vindictive lie. Right. And so I didn't expect that there would actually be a person who was like, the the confusion was about another person rather than it just being like you know revenge let's say right so that yeah. was yeah and that, that was is, that was a twist that i wasn't expecting but other than that it pretty much everything there is a very big flaw in the plot to me with that um and and i don't want to get into it too much because um spoilers but as far as calling out that person who is supposed to witness something i don't understand her motivation for doing that yeah, because it I seemed agree. to just yeah. um cut her own story apart right the missing right. girl's story apart so right. i don't really see why she would have done that to start and no explanation was ever really given for why she would do that i mean i could theorize one about resentment or whatever but it still seemed like a, a big risk to take so yeah. that I didn't really understand. You know, um, that one character though is Kevin Smith's daughter. Yes. That's a bit mm -hmm. of trivia. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so, I actually didn't know that. And then all of a sudden, like, as maybe I was watching the second episode or maybe even when I saw the final episode, watched it, that at some point in there, I was like, oh, that's Kevin Smith's daughter. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. A little bit of trivia um, so, so, but I definitely could see how this would be a difficult sell for a grown man. Although <laughs> yes. I will say that my husband did watch about half of this with me and he was into it. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, so there's enough to- Without its fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, it, it is, uh... oh, and, and the last part for me, once again, not for me, is I do have an issue with all these nostalgia shows that have popped up. Uh, I tolerated it with stranger things, but I, um, you know, I, even that's got a little tedious with all the eighties references, but now I'm really getting tired with like, you know, everything being said in the nineties, 
A, you're absolutely correct that it makes it easier without the cell phones being so prevalent, mm-hmm. but also it just seems to be like uh, a fashion or something. Like it was one of my big pet peeves with um, also on Netflix. Once again, another thing I don't like Netflix about, I tried to watch that Fear Street thing. And wow, that was another terrible, <laughs> I just remembered now, I forgot that one, but that's yet another that. terrible, just another terrible <laughs> Netflix offering recently. And, uh, and once again, set in the nineties, purely to be said in the nineties, like just the back of another nineties reference point. Cause that's just what's in right now. So I don't have as much tolerance for that. Uh, not that I, I mean, I don't think that specifically affected this show. Like I said, it's, it's just yet another bar for me to have to clear. <laughs> yeah. I have not really watched much set in that time period. So there yeah. was some novelty to it for me. Oh yeah. Uh, for me, uh, like I said, I, I don't want to disparage the show. I actually think it's pretty well made. So if that sounds interesting to you, like, so for example, if you do like kind of like a teen soap show that kind of has a little more going on, it actually is probably more intelligent most of the, than most of those. It's a little more clever than, uh, and, and you know, structurally it's more clever. I think that it's, it is worthwhile for you, but if you were looking for something kind of like I, you know, once again, my own expectations, I was expecting something that would kind of be a little more challenging, a little more mature. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was probably just off the mark on expecting this from a show that's on free form. <laughs> so that might be my own, <laughs> my own mistake. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand that. Um, there is a season two, apparently. Or rather, there will be a season two. I should say season two. Like, what are you? What are you going <laughs> to do with season two? What are you talking about? <laughs> How could there be any more story? You know, I will say this is a real tangent at this point, but on this plot device kind of idea, there's a book called One Day, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, a romance type novel. They might have made a movie of it as well. Now that I'm thinking about it, but I've only read the book, so I can't be sure if there's a movie. But that um, book covers the same day in a certain person's life over, I think, maybe 10 years. Oh, that would, then that, that was probably more, something more in line with what I was hoping for. Um, but yeah, I'll ch- probably check out the book rather than the movie if that's the case. But I would be very curious because that is a, a framing device that I find interesting. Yeah, I do too. I, I really, I think it's very interesting. And I, one of the um, things that I did this year, which I haven't started it yet, though, I'm, I need to just get over it and start it. I have a five-year journal. Have you heard of those? Oh, no. Um, so you don't write, it's not like a true journal entry where you've written so much, but it, it's enough for a few sentences. And then you keep it over five years so that, you know, the next year you can see, like, what were you thinking at this time last year? Or what did you do? Where were you? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that, you know, idea a lot of how things progress at like that same point in time, year to year. <laughs> That's my, my five-year five year journal is this podcast. This podcast. <laughs> All right. So I will talk to you next week. And you got lots of TV, lots of TV to watch. Yes, for sure. (laughs) All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye.